recording. Everything's okay. Sky's not doing meth. I'm not All doing is well meth. in the world. <laughs> yeah. Have we made this we... clear now? <laughs> Sky was never doing meth. Sky's not currently doing meth. That's from a conversation that none of you got to hear. So, <laughs> welcome to t- Dale Coats <laughs> and Tiara's and the place where there are no meth heads <laughs> and lots, lots of other stuff. That, oh my gosh okay let's just let's just do this i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> oh my god that's the best intro ever though that uh it was the worst and therefore the best <laughs> crud okay okay ready one two one three <laughs> what? What? <laughs> maybe we should okay, wait okay, for okay. sky's giggles to subside <laughs> You know, we never say our name at the beginning of this thing, but I'm totally okay with it. This is Sky, by the way. I'm Anne. So today we're talking about one of my favorite movies, Titanic. Because when this comes out, it's going to be April 14th. And that's when the Titanic hit the iceberg uh, in the year 1912. And I thought uh, I wanted to do this movie anyway, so it would make sense to do it around that time. Now I understand why you had me pick two weeks of podcasting at a time. Yes. I didn't tell you why. No, you just said so that you could do the Titanic. And I was like, oh, Anne's going to let me pick two movies because the Titanic is the length of two movies. And she knows (laughs) I really don't want to talk about it. Wait, you don't? No. It's so, there's so much that goes on. It's like. I know, but like the second half, like the costume, like I watched the second half because I wanted to, but basically the second half, like they're all wearing the same thing. So really. That's true. There's only some costuming part. God damn it. I wish I thought about that. Oh, well. So for costumes, it's like the length of one movie. (laughs) Uh, But for character development, it is definitely not. Right. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's just, it's it's so good. I'm I'm going to be gushing about this movie the entire time. Forewarning, you already knew that, though, so. It is a great movie, don't get me wrong. I love the movie. It's just so much is going on. And I'm like, there's this beautiful set, there's all of these costumes, yes. there's pretty women and pretty men, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Way too much is happening here. Okay, but what I will say is I I am glad that they kept so much in because I feel like another movie might have cut out a lot of stuff, but this movie, like, it really... Like, one thing that I think makes this film so incredible is how well it takes advantage of what it has and uses it to its, like, full capacity. So, like, if that makes any sense. As an example... Just for the costumes. The camera work really captures the way fabric moves and the intricate details and, like, beading. And the costumes aren't just there to set the stage. And sure, like, they're fit. They're, they're like, in every movie, I'm sure. Like, you, this is kind of your area, so correct me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure, like, they're chosen specifically for the characters to, you know, it's a certain art. And, you know, it is to set the stage. But I think they take it even further 
uh, with this movie or and just show that they have a really huge appreciation for the costumer and how they film things. So, like, when Rose's face is first revealed behind that giant purple hat, like, they didn't have to do that, but that was used so well. And then uh, it's, like, such a big moment, and I'm so glad that they, they used that costume for that, not just to, you know, say what kind of things people wore back then or what kind of person she was or what class she was like they use it for other things and then there's like another scene where again they didn't have to do this um but there's a scene with this girl like floating in the water and you can see her dress just like billowing out almost angelically because there's a oh yeah that's my her, favorite and that's another scene. thing they that's oh it's so beautiful and that that's another thing like it doesn't necessarily advance the main plot but i'm so glad they included that okay but so see, i think this movie needs to be long <laughs> see that this is what i mean though because you've also got the lighting and you've got all the camera angles and yeah you've got all of this freaking like fancy ass i can't think of the word special effects fancy <laughs> you've got these like special effects that don't even really feel like they're special effects can i tell you but how they're also fancy, really fancy ass sounds right now you are definitely <laughs> Fancy ass. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. My brain can't handle that much at once. My brain's like, I want to focus on everything. How do I focus on everything but only focus on the one thing that I'm supposed to be focusing on at once? Yeah, that's true. But they do take time to focus on specific things. And again, the costumes. Just like, it's really nice. I'm sure the costumer felt so appreciated because, like, they really focus in on just the fabric and what how beautiful it is in certain like that's not the only scene like there's a scene when rose and jack are running and they don't have to focus in on her dress like flowing as she's running but they do and it's so good this is very true and i am positive that the costume designer appreciated that uh because she talks about uh something similar in an interview (laughs) Ooh, a really awkward segue. <laughs> no, really. Well, now it is because you said it. Uh, the costumes in the Titanic were designed by Deborah Lynn Scott, who actually won an Oscar for this particular movie in 1998. Yes. Uh, she also worked on Spider-Man 2 and Back to the Future and a million other shows but that's apparently what everyone cares about when you look up interviews with her because all of her interviews are on spider-man 2 and back to the future wait what (laughs) not all of them but most of the ones that i found when i looked up interviews they're not on titanic i specifically looked up interview with costume designer from titanic and i got things from spider-man and back to the future and well, that's an abomination. But yes, okay. it is. Um, but one of them is takes place in front of a museum, and they're doing an exhibit on costumes from, I guess, different films. And she talked about how it was such an honor to like have an exhibit for costume designers, where you actually get to see their process and all of the work that goes into it. Um, Because people tend to think that 
oh, costumes are easy, you just throw clothes on people. Which is not true. It's a lot of hard work. This is why people don't interview costume designers. Is because they're like, they just throw clothes on people. Who wants to talk to them? Um, actually, I found an article this morning because I got bored and was like, I'm going to attempt to find more. Uh, and it's actually, I think for Back to the Future, but I don't know because they don't actually specify which film they went to uh, they went to interview her about, but they went on a set and they were running like two hours late for this person to interview someone on the set. And the director asked if they wanted to interview Deborah and the interviewer's like, who the heck is that? And the director's like, of course they were. What? Yeah. <laughs> of course they were. Yeah. But the director says she won an Oscar for costume design. And the dumbass had to look it up before going, yeah, I guess I'll interview her. So, this is how much <sighs> costume designers are appreciated in the world. Maybe that's why we only have 11 followers. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why. Um... <laughs> If I could share this with people who like costumes, damn it. Make Seriously, people no. understand. Share it. Okay. Enough whining. Anyway. <laughs> you know how much I love whining. It's one of my favorite pastimes, so. I do. I really do. Uh, yes. Um, but Deborah Lynn Scott does a lot of research on the time periods and the locations that all of her movies take place. When working on a contemporary piece, she will even go to the location to see what it is like to be there. She puts herself in the mindset of the character and thinks about what kind of clothing they would buy and what they would wear to each event. She especially loved working on the Titanic because there were so many specifications on how one should dress depending on the occasion. Uh, she does. I... Yeah, go ahead. Just that is what I would hope for in a costume designer, someone who takes it. And maybe like this is just because it's as some, someone who's been on stage and has worn costumes. I find it important that even like just research into what the characters were thinking and what you know. Just that is so. That's she sounds like the. If I were directing anything. I would want her as a costume designer. She sounds like the perfect choice. I'm glad, because that means you would hire me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That, that is the process that I go through. Uh, I like to think about it as character psychology, because I, yes. like, you know, use my psychology shit, and then I go really in-depth to what that character was thinking at that moment in time and why they're doing all of these things and how they would dress when they're doing all of these things and what they were thinking when they were getting dressed. It's actually a lot of thinking. That's the fun part, though. Yeah, it is. It's my favorite part. I just delve into a script and I become every single oh, character. Yes. This is why every time I do a show, my favorite color changes is because I basically <laughs> just become that character for the time that I'm working on them. 
I'm somehow Sorry, still I'm just, stuck on... I'm in heaven right now. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm somehow still stuck on, like, a peachy pink. Oh, that's such a beautiful color, though. Yeah, it really is. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, But she talks about... It really enjoying working on the Titanic because there were all of the specifications on how one should dress for each particular occasion, but there were also a lot of images of what people looked like and how they were dressed at the time, not only of the upperclassmen, but also of upperclassmen, I'm talking about a school apparently. Uh, <laughs> Of the upper class, <laughs> but also of people in the lower classes as well. Yes. Yeah. So, in general, she prefers to work on time period pieces, not fantasy or futuristic. So she's like Anne in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. I Actually, I love <laughs> fantasy. That's true. That's true. Just not futuristic. Yeah. But she, she likes having a specification of what people should look like. Yes. Because she finds that extremely helpful in starting off her design process. And she can get all of that information of that, what people would look like. And then she can use the images she finds and the research that she does in order to uh, inspire her and really influence the artwork that she does, being the costumes on the people. Um, that got really jumbled up, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I understood it. Good. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, most people are dressed the same because they are in uniform, obviously. But Mr. Bodine wears a ridiculous t-shirt that doesn't and doesn't zip up his uniform all the way so we can see the t-shirt and it instantly informs us that that he is a nerd um are we we're talking about the submarine right yeah the submarine that's the very beginning yeah, of the, the part movie. that i completely forgot about <laughs> uh -huh. yeah the beginning of the movie <laughs> okay uh and this is just one of the ways where she really gets in the mindset of the character because this is 100% a nerdy-ass t-shirt guy. Um, and later on, we actually see him wearing a smiley face t-shirt with a bullet hole in the forehead. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of a jackass t-shirt, and he's being a total jackass in that scene. Oh, yes. So I mean, he is throughout the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's especially like... in that scene. Yeah. And it was just amazing timing and beautiful, and it made me so happy. And I really want, I really want that T-shirt, not because I'm a jackass, because it's a cool T-shirt. <laughs> also, you're a jack. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Excuse you. No, you know who that character reminds me of, though. You're gonna, you're gonna laugh at this, and I'm gonna have to bleep out or put a sound effect for this person's name. But <laughs> you remember Alex's friend? Pretty princess. That's exactly who I was thinking you were going to say. I know, right? Uh, I think you should overpaste that with pretty, pretty princess. <laughs> <laughs> just what you just said there? 
Uh, yeah. Take your voice. Maybe maybe just Pretty Princess. <laughs> because Pretty Pretty yeah. Princess is a game and I don't want to get sued. <laughs> you played that game too when you were a kid? Yeah, obvi. Oh my gosh, that was the best game. Oh, I, re- I remember looking it up to see if they were still selling it and they weren't. But like my dad would play with me when I was a kid. So it was like such a fun game for the whole family. Because the like, oh, it was so good i love that game yeah my granddad used to play with me it was great (laughs) yes because like the goal was to get as much jewelry on as possible right yeah oh that was such a good game i think we should find Uh, it and we should play it together sometime oh we should i feel feel like it's like super expensive now though ah this is not sponsored by pretty pretty princess but (laughs) we so wish it was oh my god yes they're like, we're not even making this game. We have no money to sponsor you right now. <laughs> well, it's Disney. Disney has plenty of money, just saying. Uh, anyway. Yeah, they do. Okay. Anyway. I can't believe you played that game. I thought I was the only one that knew about that game's existence. Moving back to the Titanic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, something oh that God. people should really know about its existence and the fact that it took place in 1912 yes <laughs> did I get it wrong <laughs> no you got it right 1912 yes okay um shit I lost my place <laughs> so when we get onto the Titanic uh, particularly on the in the first dinner scene, uh, Rose talks about how she feels like she's surrounded by all the same people, and almost all of the male guests in that scene are dressed exactly the same, except for Jack. I mean, there's, like, this one guy who has a black bow tie, but not many other differences aside from that. Um, all of the upperclassmen are neatly put together. They wear... Upperclassmen? Yeah, I don't know why I keep saying that. It's upperclass men. There's a space there. But I didn't type it, so... (laughs) (laughs) All of the upperclass men are neatly put together. They wear thin white button-ups. Dainty white bow ties, and low-cut vest to show off how incredibly neat and proper they are, while Jack is sloppily dressed in a thick brown button-up, a vest that goes to the nape, I think, and, and uneven suspenders. The only white we see the lower class wear is... They're undershirts, and they are not even pure white. They're more like an extremely light gray. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, after the dinner party, Jack is wearing a shirt that is more pure white. I don't know why I put film there. Um, (laughs) But I, I don't even know. I give up. Um... I think I was attempting to say from the sleeves and it turned out to film somehow. <laughs> okay. Because uh, he has like this, I think it was brown and like yellow or something striped 
area on his chest. It's like a little gigantic square, really. And then it gets closer to the sleeves and it's white. Um, sorry if that's a crummy description. I think it is. I'm trying to... I, is it Was it the plaid jacket that you're talking about? No, it's an actual t-shirt. Uh, it's, it's a little bit after the dinner party scene. It's closer towards the end of the movie. Uh, but oh, like, when is, is he wearing it when I was thinking? I think so. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. But his clothes slowly get closer and closer, or his shirt underneath slowly gets closer and closer to being actual white instead of, like, a light gray. Um, and I think this is to show that he is, like, moving to be accept being accepted in the upper class, not as someone who's part of it, but as someone who can exist in the same space. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I have on the men, so you can start your thing here, and I'll talk about the woman when you're done. Great. So, I will, before I get into the history of menswear, I actually want to talk about, actually, you know what? I will get into that since you just talked about it and then I'll go into my little uh, fun facts section and then get into the women's clothes. So first I want to go over first class men's clothing. So uh, not well still quite different from today like if you like look at a man's suit from today and suits from back then I think you would definitely notice differences but more similar to now than say like in the 18th century or you know previous decades um and suits were slimmer than in the previous previous decade and a bit more colorful um apparently in 1912 purple was a trend uh which unfortunately we did not see a lot of i would have loved to see that but it was specifically like a, a fad i guess in 1912 which is interesting um and there were of course different styles for different times of day like you said the main suit that was like... Can I just interject you know, something here? Oh, yes. I do think it's a little surprising that she didn't put any purple in there or, like, you know, didn't put an emphasis on it because uh, Deborah Lynn Scott talks a lot about researching what the style of the time is and what all those fads are, so I would have expected her to have some hint of that in the movie yeah but I think like I think she also didn't want to I mean it's possible it could have been a little distracting because purple is not I mean unless you look at that particular fad um I feel like you know of course the, the goal is to tell a story even though there's some great scenes about costuming that still fits within the story, I think. So I feel like the purple might have been a little too jarring, is my guess. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, like, if you put light purple in, it wouldn't be too jarring, yeah. or a really dark purple. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That I would have liked to see that. Anyway. Um, the suit that you're probably going to see, like, that, well, that you do see most often, is called a sack suit. So... Uh, to quote from Vintage Dancer, long, plain, loose-fitting suit jackets with 2.75-inch wide lapels and a 1-3 to three button closure. Now, obviously, I'm not able to measure the lapels, but I'm going to take the word for it, or take its word, take 
I'm going to trust the designer that she did that research or, you know, somewhat. It's pretty basic menswear. You see it throughout the movie. Uh, I'll put some stuff like that on Instagram. This, by the way, is probably going to have, like, Instagram's going to be flooded with Titanic stuff. Just so you know, I found some great images. Uh, next, I want to talk about what are called yacht outfits. And this is, again, first class outfits. Um, so, yeah, yacht outfits with captain's hats. So we don't actually see too many, like, regular people wearing this on board in the movie. But you can tell by looking at the clothes of the crew where the style's inspiration, <laughs> inspiration came from. And it was basically just trying to look like a captain, I guess. And rich people would wear them on their yachts because yachts are for rich people. <laughs> uh, now, formal attire. So you know the um, the terms like black tie and white tie events? Yeah. Who doesn't? So just let me segue. In that, I was trying to make it smooth. Yeah, I do know that, Anne. Continue, <laughs> please. Thank you. So actually, when you, you talked about the white ties, so this was actually something that was done. So for white tie events, like in the dinner scene, you see, and you see Jack, you know, white tie, um, you know, they'd wear that. And again, quoting Vintage Dancer uh, to talk about the tailcoat jackets had, quote, the edge of the jacket bottom pointed downward a bit rather than straight across. Although the jacket never buttoned closed, there were three buttons placed on each side of the jacket opening, jacket opening for decoration. So you and you can see that in the suit that Jack is wearing, when uh, Molly, Margaret, well her real name was Margaret Molly Brown in the movie, um, gets him dressed up. Which I kind of wish there was like a dress up montage scene where he's trying on all the different clothes. Like I know it's totally not appropriate for this movie, but I want to picture just like some some montage of him trying on different clothes and her approving them and stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and you... I'm really glad that you made that comment about the tailcoats because when I was little, I was like, jackets don't need to button them. They can be unbuttoned. <laughs> They're better that way. And sh she was like, no, you gotta button your jacket, hon. So now, well, now I can be maybe like, the fancy men don't button their jackets, <laughs> At least not in 1912. Shh. I don't know about now. They don't. Okay. They still don't. I yeah, mean, how well, often do you see, like, executive men come out with their freaking suit jacket buttoned? It's not buttoned. They want to show off the, their cute vest and their nice tie. I mean, really, the only time I paid that close attention to men's clothes is for this. Um, <laughs> I do more, like, I don't have to do a ton of research on women's clothes because I know a lot about them. I have to do a ton on the men's clothes because I'm like, oh, I actually have to care now. Yep. Um, but yeah, anyway, so you can look at Jack in that scene. You can see the, it's sort of like sloping downward at an angle and you can see the three buttons and how it's not closed. Pretty, pretty basic. Uh, so for hats, uh, most popular were felt derby or bowler hats, uh, which reward for daytime wear. And you see those everywhere. You see it on Cal in uh, the opening scene. Plenty of people in the background, too. Uh, by opening, I mean, like, when he's when uh, they're getting out of the car. Uh, you can see a hat on Thomas Andrews while they're strolling the deck and Rose is asking about the calculations and stuff. You can see it when Jack and Rose are strolling the deck and 
you know, the scene where they're talking about his art and she, she came to thank him and everything. Hats like that in the background everywhere. When Jack is trying to sneak back into first class to get to talk to Rose, the sort of hat and coat that he takes uh, as a disguise, the hat is a bowler hat. They're everywhere. And uh, we don't actually see these, like the top, the silk top hats uh, that were worn for formal wear, but that's probably because, you know, they were all inside. So if I'm sure there probably were some in the movie, but I don't really recall tons of silk top hats, but, you know, I feel like outside it would be more appropriate. Inside it would be a little weird to be dining with your hat on. So <laughs> moving into third class, um, and I'm sure, you know, just to, because there's no, like, there's, like, characters that you see, but you don't know which class they're in. If I'm describing some first class characters, uh, it's possible that, you know, I feel like second class characters uh, or passengers would have worn similar stuff to first class, just probably not as much or not as elaborate. So really the big difference would be in first class and third class. So third class, uh, quoting Vintage Dancer again because they got some great stuff. Uh, the fit of men's working class clothing was always poor. Pants were held up by suspenders. Jackets rarely matched. Shirts were always soft collared or collarless. And again, you see that all over. Uh, you know, soft collar or like very uh, thin collar, not really stuffed or anything or stiff on the second class men. You know, the king of the world scene. You got Fabrizio. His collar is a little more uh, floppy, but it doesn't it doesn't look a uh, fancy and you can see in that scene jack's wearing these same pants that i think he's wearing throughout the whole movie he's got that brown button up like you were saying in that plaid jacket it i mean looks good on him because he's leonardo dicaprio <laughs> but it doesn't match or anything i, mean, I guess it kind of does anyway but i think i i think it doesn't like it does not look like it was coordinated to be fashionable is what i guess i'm trying to say uh yeah you can and you can see from like there's a scene in the back like when you see the back of his suspenders you know like you were saying they're kind of lopsided i think yeah so very, they're fixed really in not... one scene for like two minutes <laughs> <laughs> nice but yeah so you can see you see he has like that that outfit at least the pants and suspenders seem to be the same throughout the whole movie he does change shirts and i think that in the shirt you're talking about the white one what you meant was that it had like a sort of like square yeah um above the chest almost yeah. that was a little darker what's that thing called a rectangle again? i don't know if it has i mean it probably has a name it definitely has a name. uh well i know i know what you're talking about because probably because i've seen this movie too many times not to know so that was men's clothing and we'll be back next time with the continuation in part two see you then remember when I used to be like well I'm still pretty like innocent to most people's standards but when I used to be like really 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 innocent uh-huh <laughs> so I thought that like seeing Titanic like I was like oh it has the f word it has nudity it has violence so basically I am so like worldly now I I know so <laughs> I, I used to say and I used to say, like, when somebody was like, oh, Anne, you're too innocent, you shouldn't hear this. I was like, no, I can handle it. I've seen Titanic. 
And then people like <laughs> would start laughing. And so I was like, oh, that's funny. So I was just kept saying that until it was probably like, not funny anymore and just really like cringy. But I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> this is not where I thought that was going. <laughs> enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To stay up to date on new episodes, don't forget to subscribe. For more content, find us on Instagram and Facebook at Tailcoats and Tiaras. You can tune in every other Tuesday for new episodes. See you next time!